another edition of meet me at mutual i'm your host daniel shop c70 in the bat at c70 on twitter usually with me as always is alan medlock from red dirt red burn name Medlock on twitter but alan is a little bit on as on assignment as the radio people say unable to join us tonight so i've got ben godar sitting in on in his chair uh you'll find ben at uh well you've got to really find him at cardinals off day for the most part and you also find him at ben godar on twitter uh, ben how are you doing tonight I'm doing great. I'm doing great. As always, thank you so much for inviting me to be on the show. Uh, Alan leaves very big shoes to fill, but I will. Uh, I will certainly do my best. Well, Alan got in with Saruti this weekend on or this week on uh, conversations over there, and I, I don't know. Maybe he got you know. Maybe he's looking for a new place. You know. Oh, I, you know, yeah. Uh, you know how you know how the the podcast wars can be. You know, I may I have got you. a better offer, but uh, well, that's uh, a little awkward. I'm just gonna. I, I'm <laughs> a little trouble in paradise here. I'm just gonna put this one out. <laughs> <laughs> wow. uh, Alan has a Alan has a baseball league over there in Tulsa, and he's in charge of the fields and stuff. So he was busy with that tonight. But uh, I do want to talk before we get started on the Cardinals and the good, the bad, and the ugly of that. Um, I do want to talk about, cause I don't think we've had you on since you and Ben Humphrey started Cardinals off day. Um, how are you liking that? And, and how has it, has it been what you expected it to be? Yeah, well, I, I'm really enjoying it. I think Ben and I are both enjoying it. Um, it's something that, uh, he and I had kind of kicked around for a while. Um, and you know, Ben, Ben of course was a longtime writer and, and site manager at Viva Albertos. And, and actually it's funny because, Ben and I both live in Des Moines, but we we met through Viva Albertos and Cardinals Twitter, just kind of like messaging each other on there. And then there was one point where we were kind of like messaging back and forth on Twitter. And I think he said something about Des Moines. And I was like, wait, are you in Des Moines? I was like, I'm in Des Moines. <laughs> so um, so that was kind of how we, you know, started hanging out. And then I, um, uh, you know, wrote at VEB for a number of years, too. And, and he and I... Uh, Years ago, when the VEB podcast was a little more active, um, mm. you know, we would do that together uh, occasionally, or at least a few times we did that and everything. So it was something we kind of talked about doing. And I had been writing at VEB myself for, oh, I don't even know, I think at least five years. Um, and now that's nothing compared to your, you know, kind of run you have going, Daniel. But as you know, it can, after a while, it can kind of feel like a little grind. And Five and years so. is a long time in blogger in blogger years. I, it I, is. I it is. And, and I just, you know, the kind of every week format was kind of, it was great. Some weeks I felt like I really had something interesting to write about. And some weeks I was like, oh, I committed to do one of these on Wednesday and it's Wednesday. So here we go. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Uh, but, and Ben and I had talked, I think it might've, I think the off day thing, I feel like it was his idea originally, but it was just something we kind of kicked around before. Like, you know, isn't that kind of a, wouldn't that be a fun framework for 
you know, a blog or a podcast or something that it just kind of pops up on the off day. So uh, I was looking to kind of do something different and we, you know, we talked about it. And so, uh, yeah, so we, we fired it up. We're, we're using Substack um, for it, uh, primarily still just podcasting for it. But, you know, Substack's kind of a neat platform, gives us an opportunity to post some written pieces and things like that as well. Um, and uh, yeah, so we that's kind of the, the format we set for ourselves is just a, a new episode every off day. So the hope is, um, you know, there's a day when there's not a game, maybe folks are looking for a little bit of, you know, Cardinals talk and, and we're there and hopefully we're providing something that's uh, interesting enough anyway. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. I mean, it's, it's right there, uh, you know, for me with chirps and, and conversations that ones that I have to, you know, have to listen to and I'm going to listen to all the way through before, uh, moving on to something else. Uh, really enjoyed oh, well, thank you. what y'all are doing. And, and I, I like that you've got it on the Substack. you know, that got me started throwing some stuff up on Substack, which may be a, a point that people would like to take up with you a little bit later on, but that's a different story. Oh, um, no. Well, I've been enjoying, you know, of course you're more prolific on the, the writing side of Substack than, than we are, but uh, no, I've been enjoying, I'm a subscriber to you on, on Substack. Of well, course, I appreciate as well. that. So uh, thank you. Thank you for that. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's been fun. Now I do have to ask though, you know, here in what uh, next week, two weeks, I guess there are going to be four off days. Yes. Is there a podcast every off day? Uh, So we haven't discussed, we haven't finalized exactly what we're going to do, but the short answer is no. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. No, I think, you know what, we'll definitely have an all-star break. And and I think we might, we might look at doing kind of two all-star break uh, ones, maybe one looking back, one looking ahead, but uh, yeah, we, uh, that's a few too many for us. We, yeah. We've had some people too. It's nice that people have been enjoying it, but I think every time there's been a rain out, someone has messaged one of us on Twitter or, you know, kind of added us on Twitter and said, Hey, you guys, you guys recording one or <laughs> so <laughs> we're not, we, we don't have it. Uh, we, we don't have it figured out that much yet that we can just turn one out uh, that quickly. So and that's not, that's not technically an off day. I mean, they don't play, right. but it's not scheduled. So yeah, that's um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. People come on, come respect, on. respect the format. That's right. And I, you know, I know you've got kids. I know the same way. You can't just necessarily just drop it that, Oh, wow. They rained out tonight. Like the right now, the Cardinals are in a rain delay as yeah. we start recording this. You can't just kind of drop it at the, Oh, let me just go do a show. Uh, that, that doesn't just happen. with Oh yeah. No. Yeah. You know how it is. And yeah, Ben and I both have, both have kids. So yeah, there's, it's often like, Oh, okay. Well, we have a new episode that we need to post on Thursday and well, I've got a little league game Wednesday night. So like, well, well, let's start around nine ten. We'll both be home, and <laughs> so. yeah, I do. I, I think it's been a great addition to the the podcasts that uh, we have in this. You know, there's quite a few Cardinal podcasts, but um, I think it's been a very good addition, and I'm glad that y'all are you know plugging along with it. So, oh, I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, of course, you don't have a show for a while because the Cardinals are in the middle of a pretty good run of games, um, and. You know, they had a homestand. I, 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 Bernie Nicholas wrote a, a piece over at Scoops, and I, the hot title was, you know, they have the Pirates and the Diamondbacks. They can't screw this home stand up. And then they did their best to screw this home stand up. Yes. You went to the game. You went to a couple of the games of Arizona. Do you feel like the three wins against the Diamondbacks kind of restored your hope in this team? Or is it just the Diamondbacks are just that bad? Well, I, uh, no, it did not restore my hope in this team. Uh, that said, uh, winning those three games was a lot better than, you know, getting swept or losing two or, you know, anything like that. So, um, 
you know, that was a nice little uptick uh, for sure. And uh, yeah, as you mentioned, we, we went down uh, to St. Louis. Um, so I, I was at the Tuesday night game and the Wednesday afternoon game. And, uh, you know, even watching person now I have to say the Wednesday afternoon game, they, they looked really good and there were mm-hmm. like a lot of contact, a lot of balls in play, just, you know, really well, pretty well played game, you know, from the Cardinals. Um, but yeah, Tuesday night was a slog. I mean, Arenado homered, he made a great defensive play, but, um, you know, and I'm not one of these, like, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I do, I, I would like to see them make some changes to try to kind of, you know, maybe, uh, fine tune the game a little bit, uh, maybe some more balls in play and all that. I'm not one of these, the sky is falling type people. And, and honestly, when I'm at home, I can really appreciate that kind of batter pitcher matchup, you know, and see what's the pitcher doing, what's the batter doing, you know, even if it's not a lot of, you know, people on base in an inning, but I tell you being back at the ballpark, oh man, when there's like, when there's no action out there at the bases, like it gets pretty, it gets pretty dull. So, yeah. um, so anyway, and, and the, the other, uh, you know, 28,000 people that were at the stadium with me that night seem to agree as well. But, uh, Anyway, I guess I'm droning on. In answer to yeah, your question, uh, it, it, I'm really glad they won the series. You know, um, you have to win series like that. But it's you're grading on such a curve because this Diamondbacks team is is just a, a truly atrocious baseball team. So, um, yeah, I don't know. What, what was your takeaway from it? I mean, I got, you know, just any time they start winning, you get a little bit more excited, or at least I do, you know, because yeah. it's kind of almost that live in the moment type of thing of, Oh, they're absolutely terrible to, Oh, they're going to win the world series now. Uh, yes. don't think we quite did that kind of swing, but, um, you know, you felt like, okay, you, you saw also, except for Milwaukee, the rest of the division was not, was kind of losing. So they kind of made up some of the ground that they had lost against the Cubs and the Reds. Um, and so you start seeing that path, but you're right. It's, it's really hard telling. I think these next few games, you know, the, the four game series with Colorado who plays really, really well at home. Um, and then the giants and the Cubs before the all-star break, that may tell us much more than, you know, three games against the diamondbacks. And before we get away from those though, you did point out, you know, you said 28,000 people in the stands with you. Um, you know, that's a lot lower than full capacity, which I believe the Cardinals are at now is, is that a situation that's, going to be concerning for the front office that the attendance isn't back to what it should be? Well, I, I think it, it has to be. And I mean, again, even just my anecdotal experience, those two games and people can see this on TV too, even if they haven't been there. I mean, I've never seen the stadium that empty. I mean, never. Like I, I, I can't ever remember being to a game and having that few people there. And, uh, and it's, I mean, it's noticeable, it's quiet. It's, you know, it's just, honestly, it has the, I mean, we were talking beforehand, I used to live out in the LA area and I, you know, I went to, you know, some angels games and some Padres games and, you know, teams that don't always draw, you know, a a whole house. It, it honestly, it felt like, you know, it felt like being at one of those games. So, (laughs) um, uh, a little bit and, uh, you know, and there was, uh, like a lot of booing too. Anytime a reliever came in. And was and was just throwing ball after ball. I mean, the 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 boo birds were out immediately, and uh, you know, and again, like I, that's not something I really remember experiencing there, pretty much ever. Yeah. Uh, so, and, but in terms of, well, is this uh, a red flag or something for the front office? I mean, you you would think that it has to be, but I, 
I don't always understand what the financial motivations are. And I, and I would say not so much the front office as ownership, frankly, because mm-hmm. they're the ones that are really, you know, kind of looking at the, you know, the dollars in and dollars right. out. Uh, you know, we hear that for St. Louis, attendance is maybe more important than it is for certain other teams, um, you know, just because they're, they're obviously a fairly small market relative to the MLB at large. But they, you know, they do better payroll wise and kind of revenue wise, not, not at the very top, but, you know, they, they punch above their their weight for their market. And and I've always been told or heard that a lot of that came down to their their ticket revenue, you know, that there was so much, um, you know, from attendance. And I'm sure that's true to an extent. But of course, you know, these days with all of the, the you know, obviously the television revenue and the streaming revenue and just all the other kind of revenue sources that the MLB advanced media kind of. Um, you know, jackpot that they all hit a few years ago. I, like, I, it's unclear to me what, the, you know, what really moves the financial needle for these guys. So short answer is, I don't know, but it can't be good that there's so few people at these games. Yeah, I mean, we've heard up until, you know, obviously not last year and probably not this year, but the idea of, you know, basing their budget on 3.2 million people coming in uh, yeah. into the stands. And they're usually right around that. Um you're right with the extra revenue streams i think attendance is not as important as it was but if you're trying to max out what you're spending which of course a lot of people would say the front office is not but that's you know but if you are you know having that that basis in that calculation makes a difference um you know i'm sure they can somewhat rationalize it i mean cardinal fans as you proved coming, you know, coming down the six, five and a half, six hours uh, from Des Moines, um, (laughs) they travel. And and, and that's another reason why St. Louis in a small market is able to do this because people do come, they plan their vacations from all the surrounding States to come and, you know, with the pandemic and with things being kind of weird and, you know, full capacity, just opening up, you know, that may have affected it as well as they're mm-hmm. not being able to pull away from the, the metro area as much as they have in the past. Right. You know, whether that's true or not, I'm sure that that's at least a justification that the, the front office can do. And they may have only planned for, you know, they may not have planned when they were budgeting for full capacity until, you know, July or something. So they may be getting a little bit of extra bonus, but yeah. I think that you're right. I think that with the limited number of fans, because you would think, man, open those gates and it doesn't matter what your product is. People are just going to be so amped up. They're going to be there. And that hasn't happened. Plus the uncharacteristic, as you said, booing. Um, I don't want to say there's a fan revolt plan, you know, kind of pitchforks and and torches, um, but I think they may pay attention to that a little bit more than they have in the past when it's been like, okay, there's a lot of idiots on Twitter saying stuff, but 3.2 people are still coming in and we're still having a pretty good experience. We can ignore those people. I don't know if they can do that as much anymore. Yeah. I think, I think you may be right. I hope you're right. Um, I mean, I've, you know, to me, the, the edict that comes down from, DeWitt, which, which we don't know, but just when you read the tea leaves, Mm -hmm. it seems pretty clear. And for, for a long time has seemed pretty clear to me that the, you know, the edict is to field a a competitive team every year. That is a, a playoff contender, but absolutely stop there. Do not go, you know, do not go (laughs) above that. And, and I think, you know, this year was really proof positive with uh, not picking up Colton Wong's option. I mean, just an unbelievable, like, 
I, I think it's a will live in infamy move, frankly. Um, you know, it was a 12, $12 million. He's obviously worth that. But it, it just seems clear that the internal calculus was we've got Tommy Edmond, who they were much higher on than I ever was. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I don't think they thought he was as good as, as Colton Wong. I'm sure they're smarter than that. But I think they thought, well, he's he's good enough for his, uh, you know, league average salary that we don't need to pay up um, even for a pretty reasonable price tag for a player like Colton Wong. And, you know, they, but they've been doing this for years. You know, they, this is how they do it. They, they, they cut it really close. Um, and, and, and it's, it's looking like this is the year, or at least a year that it's really going to kind of bite them in the ass because, um, you know, they've had enough injuries and enough underperformance of at least, I guess what they expected that, um, you know, unless they can really turn things around here, I mean, this is not this is not a playoff team, and this is not even a team. You know, of course they have the, you know, they those two years they didn't make the playoffs. Uh, a couple years ago, they started touting that well, they've they they've only been eliminated from contention <laughs> yeah. three days out of the last ten years or something. Play significant well, baseball up until the very yeah, end. yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, this is this is looking like a team that, you know, if the, the trajectory it's on, you know, there's those September games could, you know, may not be particularly significant. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I would say and I've looked at the only the only reason September right now looks like it might be significant is I think they have like eight or more games in September with the Brewers. So, yeah. you know, you do have a little bit of control your old fate stuff, but, you know, you're not going to win all those games. Um, no. It becomes, you know, you could cut into it, but you got to cut into it somewhere else. I got to feel, you're right, uh, Colton Wong never, it didn't make a lot of sense either. It was that idea that, well, Tommy Edmund might be half as good as Colton Wong, but he's only going to be a quarter of the price who are actually gating. Ex- yeah, exactly. And, um, but I, I think that's, the, that's the only way you could justify it. Yeah. That's literally the only way you could justify that kind of a, a decision. Yeah. But I also think they also thought, you know, we have won over the last two, three years with limited offense. Right. We're going to, because I think they, even if, even by, well, time Colton kind of option came around, they had an idea they were going to be starting to talk about Arenado. But if they can go at, they're planning to add him, let's say, our offense is going to be better and the pitching will get us through. Yeah. And obviously that has not happened at no. any stage of the, anything. Um, where, I mean, could we see this coming? I mean, I know you, you and Ben have talked a little bit about this and the idea that John Gant is in, was in the starting rotation um, has um, given Ben quite a bit of heartburn for a while. Oh, yeah. um, but it just, I mean, going into spring training or even back uh, before spring training, when you do that little dreaming and you look at this rotation yeah. and you assume everybody's healthy, you kind of thought, this was a team that should be able to contend with this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, they certainly, I think thought they had more depth than they have. And, and um, I guess I did too. Um, I don't know that I had specific evidence for that, um, but it's just, it just seems like that's kind of always what this, right. this organization has done for a long time, especially on the pitching side is there's just, there, there is depth in the organization and, you know, these kind of guys, you know, the, these Seth Elledge and Royal Ramirez and these kind of guys who, 
you know, are just sort of starting to surface. Um, I mean, we just consistently over the years seen guys like that kind of step in. It's like, okay, yeah, this is, this is a guy now like this, Mm -hmm. this kind of fills that spot. So I think I, I think I felt like or assumed there was depth there just because there sort of always has been. Um, But, you know, you you look back and and it's, you know, it's not good. (laughs) And, uh, and you know, the rotation, I think you could see more clearly. You could definitely see that there was a lack of depth in the rotation. Um, I don't know what the deal is with Michaelis. I mean, I, you know, I don't know if Michaelis is going to pitch again. I mean, you know what I mean? In any significant way. Um, but the fact that they didn't acquire anybody else this spring, I, I guess it led me to think, well, they know more about his injury status than I do. So I guess, you know, they still feel like he's a guy they can, you know, slot in. But, you know, in hindsight, you look back and frankly, Gant and Ponce de Leon were sort of supposed to be the first two kind of like depth guys, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I think my thinking at the beginning of the year was, OK, well, those are our kind of, you know, number six and number seven starters, probably in an ideal world. And hopefully they're they're fine to fill in for, you know, kind of two weeks here and there. And then, you know, I think I expected that, um, you know, frankly, like probably a Zach Thompson would be a little further along or, you know, kind of somebody else from the system. Oviedo, you know, kind of in that as well, you know, that some of those kind of guys in the system might be able to step up there. I mean, for a lot of spring training, I held out hope that Alex Reyes would be a starter. And, um, you know, even kind of coming into the season, I thought, okay, well, they're putting him in the bullpen because they want to limit his innings, but he's going to end up starting, you know, later Mm -hmm. in the season. And I don't know, I don't know if that's in the cards anymore for a variety of reasons. Frankly, as, as good as he's been to have on the team this year, for sure, his lack of control really does have me questioning if starting is, is actually ever in his forecast, you know, in his future, um, more so than I ever did before. But, but, um, I don't know. I mean, where they're at now, I wonder if it's even something they would consider. You know, he, he threw two innings the other night. Um, <laughs> I, I have to admit, I, I, after that, I was like, hey, you look good over those two innings. Let's maybe see if he can do three next time. And then maybe the next time we have him throw those innings at the beginning of the game instead of the end. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, you know, even Moselock has said, we've got to be creative again now although as they say that they also tend to rule out well we're going to be creative but we're not going to move alex reyes and we're not going to you know move ryan helsley to back to this you know and right and and we're we're going to send we're going to send jake woodford down to get stretched out and and i mean no no animosity to jake woodford but what what is the upside of jake woodford right i don't i i can't even i can't even imagine like in the rosiest colored glasses like what do you see him becoming um Anyway, yeah, I mean, what you, I mean, best case is getting those what six inning four run game at you know, right? At best, um, yeah, uh, you know, I'm but sure yeah, <laughs> every once in a while you get a guy, you know, you'd you know, fluke into some good outing, but that's your average, and yeah, you know, but you know, it feels to me like that was an idea of most sitting that down. So it, when he talks to other teams about you know trading for somebody he said well i don't have to make a move because you know well that's stretching, true. stretching yeah. out woodford right now you'd like to think other gms are like yeah okay right <laughs> but you know i guess you have to play the game at some point in time anyway um and of course you know we're talking about this and but it's significant that this you know june swoon if you will to put it that way 
started with Jack Clarity going on the disabled list. And, yeah. you know, start. I don't think we anybody ever expected that. I mean, even if you look at the seat, even if you thought there were some weaknesses, you kind of always counted on Flaherty to be there every fifth day and winning, what, 60 or 70% of his starts. Yeah. I mean, he, well, I, I think you, you have to, I just, I assume every pitcher is going to get injured every year. I mean, Which that's fair. what pitchers, yeah. do. pitchers get injured. So, so I, it was certainly something I thought about and, but I guess what it highlights for me is it's made me realize, you know, I mean, he's the only pitcher on this team who he takes the ball and you think, okay, that's the game we're going to win. Or you look ahead at a, you got a three game series. You're like, okay, we got Flaherty game two. So we probably get that one. So we need to get game one or game three, you know, that's kind of your thinking. And, um, you know, you really like to have, you know, maybe two of those guys if you can, but you definitely need at least one. Um, because, you know, and I know Wainwright has had some pretty good results this year and, and everything, but I mean, he's still just, he's not a guy that that's my thinking on him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's more like, you know, every game kind of feels like it's a coin toss at best. And, and when it's a, you know, when it's a John Gantt start or, you know, and, and Carl and I love Carlos Martinez. And I think Carlos's talent is so far above a lot of these other guys, but his, his consistency has been, you know, pretty poor this year too. So, um, you know, Tuesday night we saw a, a phenomenal Carlos start, which is you know, always nice. That's still in there, but, but, you know, if, if, you know, Carlos has taken the mound that night too, you're also thinking, oh man, is this going to be one of those where, you know, like, you know, the first, you know, nine pitches are all a foot out of the zone, right. uh, you know, like that's, you, you could walk into one of those as well. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think Flaherty's probably made a bigger difference than he would in other years because it's such a drop off, you know, from him. I mean, it's, it's a drop off from him down to Adam Wainwright, um, you know, who's, who's, you know, a good, you know, probably league average ish starter at this point in his career, you know, but then from there, it's just, um, you know, it's, you know, Kim has actually, I guess, been fairly, you know, fairly reliable this year, but I mean, certainly those last two spots are you're you're falling off into the abyss at that point. Yeah, and Kim still isn't going past the fifth inning all that often. Right. So then you turn it over to the bullpen, which you know, if you've got a lead, maybe you're all right. If you don't have a lead, it may get ugly quickly. Um, although it for me, maybe it's because the starters have pitched a little bit better. Maybe it's because of the quality of the competition. It feels to me that it's been a little bit of time since the bullpen really had a big meltdown. I mean, Roland Ramirez tried yesterday and thankfully they had enough of a lead to, to absorb that, but it feels like it's been a little bit of time since there's been one of those. Okay. It's three to one. Okay. It's now 10 to one. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a good point. Doesn't mean that that won't happen again, but right. Right. Um, well, I guess to, to be honest, my, my, my gut instinct is we haven't had any bullpen blowups because the starters have already blown up. You this know? is also true. That may be part of it. It's, it feels like, you know, it's about seven to one by the time the bullpen comes in. So, you know, if, if they gave up three or four runs, it was like, well, the game was already over anyway. <laughs> it's maybe I, I just haven't watched enough of the bullpen because I've turned the game off by that point. That, so right. Exactly. Yeah. Too. Um, and that is, that is the frustrating thing. I mean, I mean, one, it's frustrating when they do have a good game in the offense, then, you know, gets no hit by a guy that's making his major league debut. <laughs> but, you know, there have been a number of those games where, yeah. you know, like you said, with the Carlos Martinez start, if he gives up a run or two in the first inning, you're like, okay, this game isn't going to probably go our way, yeah. you know, cause it's not going to be just one or two. It's going to be four or five. Um, 
it's, 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 I don't remember a time when they've had this bad of starting pitching, especially. Um, and I think that's probably just something we're just not used to. Yeah. I mean, I was trying to think back. Um, I, I mean, I, I've definitely in my mind been doing the math back to like, you know, when were they, when were they this bad? <laughs> and mm-hmm. so, and it, you know, speaks for the organization, I guess that, you know, you do have to go back a ways to um, kind of come to those times. I'm really trying to stay away from feeling like this is back to the nineties because in my lifetime, that's the one stretch of years that I lived through. That was really like, pretty, pretty rough. And like, like several year period where it was just never really felt like, okay, this is, you know, we're, we're on the verge of anything here. So hoping we're not back that far, but you know, I've been thinking back, uh, I've been thinking a lot about 2007 actually as one year that I've been kind of thinking about. And actually I just brought it up. No. So 2007 was of course the year after the world series. And uh, I went to opening day in 2007, which was mm. awesome. It was my first opening day. And if you, you can never go like right after the World Series when they raise the banners and everything, uh, you know, just like can't, rec- can't recommend that enough. Um, and uh, so, uh, you know, it was this amazing. It was the usual opening day thing, but it was like the opening day thing on steroids. And right. uh, Billy Bob Thornton was like on the field, like emceeing the whole thing. And, you know, Stan was still with us. And like just, uh, you know, it was you know, that, that moment, um, was really one of the high points of my entire, you know, fandom being there in the stadium, you know, for that kind of raucous celebration. It was the Sunday night baseball game that opened Mm -hmm. the 2007 season and Chris Carpenter started for the Cardinals (laughs) in, you know where this is going. Yes. Yes. It's about the, what was it? About the third or fourth inning. He tore his, uh, uh, tore his elbow and and needed Tommy. I'm pretty sure that was the Tommy John one. Wasn't it? It wasn't Tommy John. Oh no. Uh, Well, yeah, because, um, I, I remember this because I started writing my blog in 2007 oh, okay. it was around the all-star break. And the reason I started the blog is at the all-star break there, they went into the all-star break with a little bit of momentum and there was rumors that Carpenter, I think Carpenter was about to do a rehab start or something of that nature. That oh yeah, that's right. That, and that's one where he did like one rehab start and then just yeah. they shut it back down. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that now. Yeah. Kip Wells came out right after the all-star break, gave up like six runs in the first inning and yeah. then the Carpenter news came out and you realized, nope, that optimism is just gone. Right. This so. year is gone. Well, and I'm, and so I, I brought up actually 2007 on Baseball Reference here to look at their rotation that year. And so, the, uh, so number one, you had Adam Wainwright, who had a, a, a you know, very good year. Um, not necessarily his best, actually, but, you know, he had a pretty good, pretty good year. Yeah. Um, first year as a starter. Yeah. Maybe. First year as a starter. Clearly, you're kind of top your rotation kind of guy through 200 innings. 3.70 ERA um, and uh, but like a, a kind of matching FIP and everything and just you know real good peripherals and everything mm-hmm. and then from there your your pitchers were Braden Looper, Kip Wells, Anthony Reyes, Joel Pinheiro, and then uh, your your number six guy in terms of starts was Todd Wellmeyer. So uh-huh. um, so that uh, but boy doesn't that sound kind of like this year? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of that exactly you know that whole thing of well we'll go back and oh that was your flaherty was hurt and yeah. so then you have you know um 
John Gant making starts. Yeah, that that you're right. That sounds almost exactly, and it has Adam Wainwright in it, so you don't even have to right, you know, yeah, <laughs> change anything there. So yeah, um, yeah. So that so that might be a good comp for the starting. Yeah. You know, I think that's where we started on this. Was thinking about when is the starting pitching look like yeah. this? And maybe there's there's been years in between, but that's that's one that jumps out to me. And as I look back on it now, I feel like yeah, that seems. That feels accurate to what we're looking at here. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's a pretty good one right there because you know once Tony and more more important for this discussion, Dave Duncan came over, it felt like it didn't matter who the pitcher was, they were gonna be fine. You know, the Jeff Weaver and the, and the, you know even getting getting good stuff out of Joel Pernero and things of that nature. You you were gonna be fine i'm not saying they're gonna be all stars yeah. they're gonna be fine it did, then, it, it did it, it felt that way absolutely and there were times that it absolutely worked out that way right. i think there were other times where our belief that it was going to work out that way didn't necessarily <laughs> you know like right. mike <laughs> um, moroth right um, yeah you know those kind of guys yeah there were there were hit and misses there's no doubt about it um but then you know they got to that point where they decided oh let's let's develop pitching and after that they had a good run of that and it's wow. like now they've continued to go to the the cupboard and say oh we've got all this pitching i'm going to take a little bit of it i'm going to take a little bit of it we'll, we'll replace it at some point in time and now they've gotten down and they realize they only have you know two pieces of pitching in the back corner that's not quite ready yet yeah. and um yeah. they're kind of they're kind of stuck and i don't know I don't know where they go from here, honestly. I mean, it's, I don't know that we want to get too far out of uh, past 2021, but, you know, this isn't necessarily something that's just going to be a one-year, you know, problem and everything's going to be hunky-dory next year. Yeah, I agree. And now the one caveat I would throw that I do think is an issue this year is I think I think the lack of a minor league season last year mm. is, is playing into that. Yeah. And just guys... Um, you know, guys didn't develop or, or at least they didn't develop in any kind of a, you know, consistent way. And so um, I think, you know, maybe two years ago as they were projecting out kind of who in the system is going to be ready to step up this year, I think some of those guys aren't. And it's potentially because of, uh, you know, because of that lost year. And that's, that's kind of one of those things that's just nobody's fault. Okay. Now that said, every other major league team has had to deal with that as well. So, so that's one thing, but I think you're right. I, I feel like what we're seeing in the system is um, it, it's, it's not looking like there's a, a lot of development that's happening in that minor league system um, just in general. And I know um, within the last week or two, you know, somebody kind of posted on Twitter, the, uh, results for the minor league systems as a whole. And it's, it's shocking. I mean, the Cardinals, uh, minor league system, you know, has the, uh, the worst overall record. Their run differential is way, way behind anybody else. And now on the one hand, who cares about a minor league, uh, you know, who wins minor league games, that's not necessarily important. And as I know, uh, our, our buddy Kyle Reese pointed out, you know, there's things that factor into that, of course, like, you know, one organization might be really aggressive about moving young guys up to a higher level um, to challenge them, you know, so they might be facing competition that's better, but doesn't necessarily, right. anyway, blah, blah, blah. There's a million asterisks there. But that said, when in cross your entire organization, you're, you're always getting, you know, steamrolled. I think that's, uh, you know, that's a bit concerning, concerning. And yeah, we don't see a lot of those names there, especially on the pitching side. Um, I, I mean, I'm frankly, I'm more concerned about this organization. 
I think than I've been in the entire Mozeliac era because um, I just don't see, and I think it was actually, I think uh, I was just listening to the Chirps podcast earlier today. And one of them asked the question, you know, like what, what are the Cardinals good at right now? And I don't know, like, can you answer that? Like, what are they, you know, what are they doing? Well, um, it, it, it's uh, so, yeah, I know you didn't want to go too dark here, but <laughs> like it's, <laughs> well, I, you know, it just got to midnight. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, it, it, it really, yeah, it, yeah. and I think, but I think what this also comes back to is when you start to think about like, well, how do they fix it? Right. And, and, you know, there's people who are, you know, well, you know, fire Jeff Albert and, you know, or, you know, f- you know, replace the GM or, you know, I mean, you know, any of these things and it's, it's deep. Like, I don't know, I don't see an easy, uh, I don't see an easy fix here. And um, I, it makes me think that there may need to be some significant organizational change to repair this, this team. And, you know, and maybe that starts, maybe that does mean, you know, a, you know, new, uh, you know, general manager and new, just kind of, you know, a real change in approach because it just, it seems like the systems are failing at a variety of levels. And so, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know how you fix that. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't either. It's, it is a little interesting that I go, you say, what are the Cardinals good at? And yeah, there's not a real good answer for that, but it is interesting to me that they are because of drafting, because of whatever, seem to be developing hitters at a better rate in the minor league than they have been before. I'm not saying that they're, you know, churning out a whole bunch right. of offense, but when right. you look they, at- they, they have been, and, and those hitters are now playing for uh, Texas and for Tampa <laughs> Bay and for the New York Yankees. That too, but I was more talking about the Nolan Gormans and the, and yeah. the Jordan Walkers, uh, the, yeah. Yes. Jordan Walker, right? I mean, that's that's coming up, and yeah. some of the other prospects. You're right, I mean, and and that I think is that goes to your point about trying to figure out what what they have, yeah. and and maybe cha- making some changes in evaluation. And, and even Mo has said that too, especially with with the Rosa Reina. Now, Adolis Garcia, I think you just kind of write that off. That was kind of a little bit more of a fluke, I think, to my mind. But Rosa Reina, I think, is the one that makes the most sense because they needed outfield help and they never gave him that that chance even though he was doing well in their system it wasn't like you know a void that goes to new york and you know just really blossoms into this power hitter uh, you know they knew they kind of had a rosa right now they kind of knew that i mean we knew as fans that they should let this guy play um and what the you know what the decision tree looks like that lets him go um you know, as much as, you know, Matthew Libertor may be very helpful, may be very helpful this year. Um, you still wonder about that evaluation process. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's to, to me, one of the, one of the million dollar questions is, is there a problem with their evaluation of minor league players or is there a problem with their development of minor league players? Mm-hmm. Because there's, there a hundred percent is a problem. And, um, you know, uh, and, and, and maybe it's both is the other, you know, kind of possibility yeah. there, but, um, you know, it, it has to be something and I'm, I'm not sure, uh, I'm not sure what the answer is there, you know, to be honest, but I just saw somebody posted earlier, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, the 2018 Memphis, uh, roster. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, yeah and, I think I saw that. and so here, I'm just going to list some of the names that played for Memphis in 2018. 
Uh, and I'm just going to, so you have Adolis Garcia, Oscar Mercado, Patrick Wisdom, Carson Kelly, Randy Rosarena, Luke Voigt. Okay. Those are all guys that are, uh, you know, elsewhere and doing pretty well right now. Now, who do we keep out there? Well, Tyler O'Neill we kept, and, you know, he's he's done fairly well. Lane Thomas they kept. You know, Justin Williams was, cool. was here already uh, or, you know, came in. Uh, right. Anyway, uh, that's – there's a lot of names there. And, you know, I feel like any one of those you can, you can kind of yeah, but – that individual case, sure. you know, um, you're right. Luke Voigt blossomed in New York in a way that he didn't hear. Um, I never thought he would be that kind of a player. On the other hand, the people in the Cardinals minor league organization, that's their job to know the guys that sure. are going to blossom like that. And and are they going to miss sometimes? Of course they are. Right. But you, you want to see them hit more often than they miss. And, and we've been spoiled by, you know, 15, 20 years of them hitting almost all the time. Uh, you know, and a very long stretch of the Cardinals rarely trading away somebody who who went on to be much more than they thought they were going to, you know, going to be. But when you look at all of those names there, I, I feel like that to me looks like organizational failure to to have that to have that many pieces that have gone away. And yes, again, I understand each one's an individual situation. Sure. Yes, there are some very talented guys who came back in some cases for some of those deals, but you know, that's, that's a lot of talent right there. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, you're right. I mean, obviously it's all guys that have made the major leagues some more than others um, over the last couple of years. And if you can play at the major league level at any kind of consistently, that's a win for your, you know, would be a win for your, yeah. for your farm system. So there's definitely that, but you also think about, you know, I wonder you know, if in 2000, what, 19, you know, 18, off season of 18, if the, if you were told they're not going to trade for Paul Goldschmidt because they have Luke Boyd at first base, right. I mean, what are we going to think about that? Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, it would look like it could be the right decision, right. but at that time, you know, again, torches and pitchforks. Right, right. Yeah, no, I mean, it's – you're right. It's tough. And I'm, I'm Monday morning quarterbacking here and I'm, no, you know, yeah, I, I have, the, I, I have all this information, but it's, it's very unusual for the Cardinals organization to be able to look back at a year like right. this. Yeah. It, it's not something we've had, you know, we've experienced before. And, and it's, it's so widespread that to me, it looks like serious organizational failure in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's one, you know, that's one thing, but I, you know, I also, just as long as we're talking about, uh, you know, player development here. I, I don't see the car who has come into the Cardinals organization and become a better player. Can you think of anybody in the last few years that they've done that with? Uh, of course, I'm, you know, I'm trying to think just if who they've brought into the system. Well, um, yeah, I mean, that's... Know, Tyler O'Neill is the, is the one that sticks to mind. And of course he obviously yeah. had, he was obviously a, a talent coming right. in right. to the system. No, but he's um, probably he's probably kind of high up there on the you know on the list. Um, yeah. But you know, but to me, but that's yeah, an area. Else. That's an area when I look at the best teams, um, mm-hmm. and I look at the Cardinals. That's another area that I look at over the last you know few years, and I say we're not doing that. And yeah. um, I mean, I always, I mean, always these you know last several years, 
I look at the Dodgers as the absolute gold standard for a baseball organization, you know, for obvious reasons. And granted, the Dodgers have payroll and they can, you know, make some of these, you know, big money signings too. But I think what's really made the Dodgers a juggernaut is the, you know, the Max Muncy's and the Chris Taylor's and, you know, these guys that they have found and, um, you know, uh, the Alex Woods, you know, these guys that were not, you know, uh, I mean, guys that were, you know, kind of bo- scrap heap type players, really, um, you know, or kind of in that realm who came to the Dodgers and just, you know, blossomed into very, very good players. And in some cases, you know, superstar players. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I think there's a there's just a player development component there that, um I just don't, I don't see like, where is that happening in, you know, in the Cardinals system? I, you know, I don't see a lot of that, um, you know, at least in the last few years. No, I think that's very true. Um, you're right. I mean, I was reading an article, I think it's in athletic, I think it's, you Saris that wrote it this week about, you know, what the giants are doing with their coaching staff at the major league level, getting the most out of veterans, you mm-hmm. know, the, the Brandon Crawfords and the yeah. Evan Longoria's and things of that nature, which even that we're not seeing. Right. I mean, cause yeah. that's been one of the down, you know, the kind of the knocks on, on some things is, you know, the trade for Paul Goldschmidt, which granted it was starting to, to get into that aging curve type of thing, but still hasn't been completely Paul Goldschmidt. Um, and a couple of the other times where that, you know, Marcelo Zuna, things like that. And so, yeah, where does that, where is that just, you know, a bad call? Where is that organizational issues? Yeah. You know, it, you know, once or twice after that, it starts looking like a pattern and you start wondering how you fix it. And, you know, I don't know because I don't, I'm not saying, I don't know that switching coaches up makes that kind of impact, especially in a year or two, you know, maybe a long term, yeah. but you know, you're not going to solve, you know, you're not going to fire Jeff Albert and bring Mark Badesca back and they're going to hit, you know, four home runs a game for the rest of the year. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm always in favor of firing coaches. I do think that's, <laughs> that's a positive move. Um, and I always say that half joking, but I, you know, I really am serious too. I feel like the, you know, hitting and pitching coaches, I mean, you, you, you've got a bag of tricks, you've got a point of view True. and you know, you can share that with, with hitters or pitchers and, get them on board and help them unlock something. But I don't think, you know, I mean, people are not, you don't see people spend five, 10, 15, 20 years as, you know, a hitting or pitching coach with the same team. You just don't do it because, you know, after a while they've, they've kind of, you know, they, they've heard all your material, right. <laughs> you know, right. they, they need somebody, you know, they need somebody new. So I, I, to me, anytime it's, you know, that you're flagging somewhere, uh, you know, I say shuffle the deck and bring in, bring in somebody new. Um, but. Well, and the other side of that is not only, you know, do you, maybe your players not, you know, get tired of hearing it, but if you've got a similar philosophy, eventually the other team knows how to attack that as well. Um, you yeah. know, and they know that, okay, the, you know, for instance, Mike Maddox team is not going to throw you a first piss fastball. So they'll sit and wait, you know, or right. that kind of thing, you know, well, um, and sometimes you do have to mix it up. So until they can figure out your book. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you something else. I mean, in, in you mentioned Badaska and, and there's definitely people who said like, Oh yeah, well they should bring Budaska back. Like mm-hmm. I feel like baseball is evolving so rapidly at this point that no one should be brought back ever. Like you That's have got true. to be, you have got to be on the absolute 
cutting edge. So like uh, for the last couple of years, I would have said, you know, your your new hitting and pitching coach should be a 26 year old who like pitch, you know, played in college, flamed out in the minor leagues and then has been like uh, working at driveline the last few years. Like that should be your guy. And now I think we're even beyond that. I think now you're hitting and pitching coach should be a guy who was a, you know, fringe minor league major leaguer who turned things around at like a driveline or something, you know, <laughs> okay, man. But I mean, yeah. you just, you, you, you really have got to, I think um, you need fresh ideas. You need really fresh ideas. And so, um, you know, I don't think you bring those people. And, and honestly, that's one of the reasons I think that maybe there's a need of just some organizational refreshment, because I think it's maybe most true for those hitting coaches and pitching coaches, but I think it's true for the managers. And Frank, I think it's true for the, the general managers too. I mean, you know, Mo's been, I, I, I think next to Cashman, isn't Mo the longest tenured GM? Is that correct? Well, I mean, you know, I bumped him up, but for all intents and purposes, yeah, probably so. Yeah, I, I mean, so, you know, and, and on the one hand, that that speaks to his tremendous success, which it absolutely does. But you know, what's the long game here? I mean, do you think do you think people stay in these positions forever? And I, you know, I don't think they do um, because I think it's just it's hard to be on the cutting edge forever. <laughs> you know, like you can yeah. you can ride the wave of a few kind of you know new uh, innovations, but there's just a point where uh, it's things have maybe passed you by, and it's it's going to help to bring you know, bring somebody in. But of course, all of that hinges on what does the owner want to do? And first and foremost, you know, Mo is executing what ownership wants him to do. And so, you know, uh, and I think he's very good at that. And I don't know that, um, you know, frankly, until it changes the mind of ownership, what they want to do, I don't think it's, it's gonna, you know, there's even going to be the potential to, to change and refresh. I feel like they have attempted that just not well necessarily. I mean, the idea of bringing Jeff Albert in with adding the rareable tech and all this, you know, that was the yeah. idea of trying to get to the cutting edge. Whether, yes, you know, absolutely. You know, it necessarily has been as successful. And, right. and part of that was, let's do this philosophy from the top down to, to the minors as well. And, right. you know, maybe you judge it not just on the major league team, but going forward. Right. But, you know, even a few years ago when – they did promote Mo to baseball operation, president of baseball operations and hired Mike Gersh as the GM. The idea at the time, at least it sounded like was that eventually Mo was going to kind of go off to this office and think, think about the big picture. Yeah. And, you know, Gersh was going to take care of the day to day stuff. And it just, for whatever reason, whether it's just because, you know, Mo still knows a lot of guys, whether it's Mo's just the public face and Gersh is right. doing more behind the scenes than we think. It doesn't seem like that's been put into place. And, you know, maybe this is a time where they start, you know, because this is the kind of a year that got Walt Chalkity fired. Um, maybe this is yeah. the kind of time where they say, I don't want to say put Mo out to pasture, but this, okay, we're going to let Gersh be this the public face now and let him do more of this because you know it's been what it's been four or five years now if they don't yeah. trust him by now then they need to get somebody else yeah no i think that's a great question and I, i've wondered the same thing but but like you it's i kind of at the end of the day i feel like well i don't know it it certainly seems like mo is still the you know the gm and yeah. doing all the gm yeah. stuff but like you said I, all we really see is the public face stuff so it's like it could be as simple as Mo's better at or more comfortable at kind of being the public face of this stuff. So he's still going to do that. 
and, you know, Gersh is running things. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. And, and I think you made a really good point too, that you're, you're absolutely right. The Jeff Albert hire was exactly in line with the kind of stuff that I was, that I was talking about. Um, so, you know, they're definitely kind of thinking in that direction. I mean, that said, it's been several years and, you know, it just, it seems like it, it's hard to point to anywhere where the success is manifesting from that. So, you know, I mean, you, you may have just missed on that particular hire. Mm-hmm. Something Ben and I have talked about too, though, with that, that is odd is it's very odd organizationally that on the hitting side, you would say, we want to bring in this sort of, you know, young hitting coach who's uh, very much on the sort of cutting edge of what's going on technologically and we want to bring him in to not just be our major league hitting coach, but to oversee this kind of organizational, um, you know, reshaping of our hitting philosophy that's going to then be consistent from all the way through the minors up to the majors. We're going to do that on the hitting side. But on the pitching side, we're going to stick with, you know, Mike Maddox putting his hand on guys' shoulders. Like, you know, like, why why would you do it on one and not the other? I don't know. The only, and, and you're right. Well, one, probably because Mike Maddox has gone up to them and put their hand on the shoulder, and it's probably a very comforting thing. So It Mike looks says, really comforting. Was, it looks yeah, really comforting. I wish so, he would it, show up at my job and do that to me, frankly. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that, you know, if they ever have discussions at the end of the year and Mo starts talking about, well, maybe we want to move on, he just walks over and, you know, does the claw and <laughs> Mo forgets all about it. And it's like, oh, yeah, you stay. Um, but, you know, I think also... We, and it's, it's not necessarily the best idea, but, you know, the last two or three, four years, even with Maddox in place, the pitching staff has not been the problem. It's been a very successful pitching staff. And so it's this idea yeah. of don't break it, especially if you're trying right. to do this radical transformation on one side, let's have right. some sort of continuity. Now, is this the year that you say, you know, okay, now we need to have this revamp on the pitching side and this is the last year for, for Mike Maddox. I mean, I don't, and I don't know contract status. I think he's, I think it's pretty much most of these coaches are one year deal. I think he had a longer one, but I think he's still probably technically a free agent at the end of the year. So maybe you just mutually part ways or something like that, but it does feel like, you know, I've mentioned it on the show before I went to that Springfield game a few years, weeks ago where they were walking every, I mean, worse than the major league team uh, walking and hitting people uh, in the midst of a 10 run game and stuff. Yeah. And you look at somebody else on Twitter, put it, you know, they're pretty much all the minor leagues are in the bottom four or five in their league in walks and hit by pitches and stuff like that. There does seem to be that, there needs to be some sort of overhaul on the pitching side of things as well. And, and maybe this is a chance to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I don't know. And, you know, and you mentioned kind of 2007 or, or, or uh, yeah, no, no, sorry. Uh, when, no, it was, yeah, 2007, yeah. Uh, after 2007, when, uh, when Mo uh, uh, ascended to the, the GM, that, that's yeah. right. Isn't it? it was after 2007 season. Uh, no, it was after 2008, I think. Or 2008. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think, cause I think they got, you know, Jockety got a pass world right. series in 06 and the injuries, but yeah. then 08, I think it's when the culture yeah. clash really hit. Well, that sounds right. So, but anyway, it has me thinking about, um, uh, Howard Megdal's book, the, the Cardinal way. Mm-hmm. Have, have you read that one, Daniel? Oh yeah. Yeah. I've got a copy of it right over here. I am looking at my copy as well. And I, I mean, I, I cannot recommend that book highly enough to any Cardinal fan. And, um, it's, it's just, it's such a great portrait of kind of how it, it's really, it's like the Cardinals version of Moneyball is what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, essentially it's the story of, and, and frankly, Bill DeWitt is in a lot of ways, the hero of that story, because, 
it, what it really comes down to is, you know, Bill DeWitt and, you know, as early as, you know, 2000, you know, four, three, four, five, kind of in there, um, you know, saying like things are changing, like we still have an effective team here, but um, I can see, uh, you know, I can see an evolution happening. We need to get out in front of. And of course, you know, he goes out and, and pulls Jeff Lunau in out of no baseball experience. And, you know, Lunau really out of the trash start, heap, as it were, <laughs> out of the trash heap, as it were. Yeah, exactly. This is pretty, this is back then. This is before people put on your <laughs> put on your pre 2012 and beyond blinders here. Um, no, but it's you know, there there was a lot of vision there to say we need to transform. Um, right. We need to get out ahead of this. And and they did. And, you know, and did a lot of things and really, you know, revolutionized the organization and refreshed the organization and set this template of, you know, for success going forward. And so much credit to DeWitt for doing that. And obviously Mo ends up being the guy that comes in at the top level and is, is executing that. Okay. I mean, that's, uh, that's like 15 years ago now um, when yeah. that's, you know, wow. when this stuff was really underway, that is a long time. And I don't know if, Bill DeWitt is engaged with the success of the St. Louis Cardinals in the same way right now, because uh, we're a few years past the point where it it would seem like he should have been, um, you know, making the kind of moves that he made then those kind of preemptive moves. We're past that. We need emptive moves now (laughs) because, (laughs) you know, because it's here, but that's what it really looks like to me is, is it's like this organization needs an overhaul. But I just don't know. Is he is he as engaged in the team and as engaged in winning now as he was then? I, I don't know. I mean, he's an older man. You know, they've right, they've right. successfully built, uh, you know, this whole, uh, you know, real estate complex uh, surrounding the ballpark now. Um, and, and, you know, as much as we can kind of read the tea leaves and talk about who could do what, I, I, you know, I mean, a lot of it comes back to does, you know, is it in that? You know, is, is it in the owner's uh, mind to to try to make things better? And, and I'm just not sure that it is in the same way that it was back then. Yeah, I don't. It's a really interesting idea. And I thought, I mean, I looked it up. Bill DeWitt turns 80 at the end of next month. Um, not that 80 is... 80 is not what it used to be, I guess. It, what it, well, that's true. Like and, and on top of it, he's rich guy 80. So that, yeah, that's yeah, always so. an asterisk. He does seem to be, for the most part, in well, well, uh, in control of his faculties, and um, you know he's obviously been a smart enough man to make lots of money um, in his life. So, um, so you would like to think that he is, but you're right. I mean, the last ten years, there's been a lot of split focus. Had there been some on you know getting Ballpark Village underway, especially since it took a while for that to actually kick off. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe now that they're done with that. Is there a turn a focus? Is it about the time where they're starting to talk about a transition uh, from Bill DeWitt to Junior to Bill DeWitt to Third, who has honestly been more focused on the business side of things? So, if there is that transition, you know, what does that mean for yeah. looking at the team as a whole, especially as a baseball entity? Um, you know, I don't know, uh, but it does feel if if the Cardinals continue to be the way they are right now, and we're you know their game under five hundred only because of that sweep against the Diamondbacks, uh, a team, you know, that's going to need not quite 2011 magic, but pretty close to make the playoffs this year. Um, if they 
stumble if they're under 500 at the end of the year you know maybe that's what that's the catalyst maybe it is and maybe it's not you know maybe but uh maybe they just say look we're you know it was a down year and you know we get one of those every 25 years um i don't know and you know they have a lot of money coming off you know this team could look a whole lot different next year depending on what they want to do in free agency um if they want to do anything in free agency yeah yeah i don't know what do you think they do? Uh, what do you think they do this year, Daniel? Do you think that they? I mean, because honestly, even two weeks ago, I would have said like, well, they're definitely buyers at the deadline. They're having a little bit of a dip here, but you know, they'll still be in kind of striking range. They're gonna they're gonna add some pieces and and be competitive. Uh, that's what I would have said two weeks ago. <laughs> I yeah. mean, what do you what What would you say? What, what's your expectation? I still think. Well, one, you know, there was a article today um, in Sports Illustrated with Nolan Arnauto, who's talking about how much he loves St. Louis and all that seems to be hunky dory, but he also did say he expects them to be buyers at the deadline. Now, you know, the last time he expected the team to be buyers at the deadline and they weren't, um, you know, well, the Rockies can tell you a little bit about that. So I think there's a little bit of pressure there to try to do something. You know, I think they could talk themselves into, you know, getting another starting pitcher and saying when Jack Flaherty and if Miles Michaelis comes back, you know, the rotation is short up enough to make a run, especially when you've got a lot of games left with NL Central teams. Yeah. Um, I, I cannot see them unless they were, you know, like last week when they were closer to the Pirates than they were to the Brewers, you could maybe, maybe, but now I just can't see them being sellers. I can't see them trading away anything. At most, it's one of those lateral moves like maybe the Tommy Pham type of trade where you get a couple right. of pieces in and you're kind of yeah partly selling, partly buying, but I, I can't see them doing anything else worse than that. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I, I, I was thinking about that over the last couple of days, I've definitely thought about that Tommy Pham move, which let's be honest, that's the closest they've been to sellers, you know, mm-hmm. really in the you know, over the last 10 plus years um, for sure, you know, yeah. and that was pretty nominal selling. That was more just kind of mm, this guy's having a down year. We don't know about his long-term value. Let's get what we can out of it kind of thing. Um, you know, but it was sort of tacit acknowledgement that like, you know, this year is not really, you know, not really happening for us. Right. Um, but yeah. And I, I think I agree with everything you said though, but you know, when I think about just, well, could they be buyers? Could they be sellers? Well, one reason I don't think they could be sellers is like, I don't know what they have to sell. Exactly. I I really don't see a lot of um, realistic, you know, trades that they would that they would make, um, you know, that would, uh, you know, that would net them back anything in terms of like significant kind of prospects or anything. So, um, yeah, you know, I kind of agree. And I I think at the end of the day, I, I would still probably lay odds on them, you know, still trying to make some acquisitions. I think there's a few good reasons to do that. I mean, the fact that this is your last year with very likely could be your last year with Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina. Um, you know, I think that's, that's a a really good reason, you know, to, to go for it. Um, I think that frankly, the fact that they can't really be sellers, that there's not much there for them to sell, you know, may as well, you know, kind of try to be buyers there. Um, but yeah, they're, you know, they're not going to trade a, a Gorman or a Liberator or, or, you know, a Jordan Walker, anything like that. So it's probably going to be kind of on the, you know, smaller end. But um, that said, it doesn't take those giant prospects to get guys at the deadline anymore. You know, I mean, you you look at what, uh, you know, like what Mookie Betts 
uh, brought mm-hmm. back. And that's probably the biggest, you know, free agent um, uh, deal at the uh, deadline of the last few years. You know, um, you're not you're not seeing like, you know, top 10 type prospects, um, you know, in baseball, um, you know, really coming back for those kind of guys. So, you know, I could still see them putting together a package that, you know, got them a little bit of a rental. Um, so, and, and, you know, let's be honest, the Brewers have been on, have been white hot lately and they've built a pretty good lead, but I still don't think anybody in this division is uh, a great team. And so I, you know, um, I don't think that there's, you know, there's anybody that's so far ahead of the Cardinals that they can't possibly make this up. But, but we're pretty close to that point, you know. And as you kind of said at the top, if if things go south over these next few series leading into the All Star break, we we may hit that point. Yeah, I mean, the good thing is we all know Milwaukee's history, um, yeah. which is to, you know, have a really good time till you get to September. Um, and so you, you hope you hope to bank on that although it seems kind of silly to do that when each of these teams are different but yeah um yeah i i don't know of course you know like you said it doesn't take much to get some of these guys although now that the nationals have started winning mike scherzer seems to be off the (laughs) the the menu if you will but i really don't know exactly what the cardinals have to trade even for even to acquire you're talking about them not having anything to sell but you know, again, like you said, they're not going to trade a Gorman. They're not going to trade a Libertor. They're probably not trading a Thompson or Walker. I mean, they don't seem to have that second tier of prospects, which is the depth that we were talking about that they used to, you know, they don't have the right. Alcantara's and the gallons to, to yeah. trade nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. No, fair point. And I wish they still had the Alcantara's and the gallons. Yes. But, um. yes. <laughs> um, and then they were, would be looking at something other kind of trade to, to make because they would be winning the division. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, you know, if they could even just acquire a serviceable, uh, you know, one or two serviceable back into the rotation guys, um, mm-hmm. that would elevate this team so dramatically, I think. Yeah. Um, and, um, that's the kind of thing that, and those are the kind of moves that those would not be big trades. Those would not be like big, you know, again, we're, these aren't Mookie Betts type names, but, but I think that could actually make a pretty significant difference in what they're able to accomplish. And so, you know, if they can kind of keep things moving in a positive direction and it looks like they're still within some sort of striking distance, I think even, you know, a couple moves like that could do things or, you know, and, you know, Ben and I have talked a lot about 2011 again and just thinking about that sort of, you know, mega trade there that was really just, right. about, you know, bringing in bodies, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is a team that could use something like that. You don't really see trades constructed exactly like that one was very much anymore. But, you know, I mean, if you're talking about like a, you know, a number five starter and two relief pitchers and a number four outfielder, you know, like that's the kind of thing where like, if you could add those pieces to this team, that, that wouldn't change the marquee names out there, but I think it would reflect uh, quite a bit in the wins and losses. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't take a, a superstar. I mean, superstars are great and they'll help, but this team, you know, needs to fill two or three holes and that's the kind of thing you do with, you know, veteran, veteran proviness. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if you could have an Edwin Jackson type guy, I'll be honest, mm-hmm. he, he's, you know, he's pitching on the Olympics team this year. 
if you could have maybe Edwin Jackson now <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, instead of John Gant, like, you know what I mean? But like, that's the yeah. kind of thing that, that, you know, but, but like a, an Edwin Jackson type guy, whoever that guy is now get somebody in there to, you know, take that like number five spot, uh, huge, you know, huge improvement. Do you think that they will even, uh, even if they don't make a trade, but especially if they do go ahead and promote Libertor here pretty soon, like right after the all-star break or maybe in August and hope that, you know, between the combination of him and, uh, you know, some sort of veteran guy, they can get some sort of pitching role. I don't know. I mean, I, I think that they might just in terms of, um, I think they just got to throw everything they can at this, you know? Yeah. So, so I, if they did, I would totally understand it, but I mean, I think people just, have to keep in mind, you know, Libertor pitched an A ball last year, exactly. or not last yeah. year, but in you know yeah, 2019, the last time that he played organized ball. Right. The fact that he's already in AAA is an enormous jump. So, as promising as he seems in a lot of ways, to then think he can move him all the way into you know the majors, I, you know, I don't think that would likely be successful. And, and you know, mm-hmm. but it, it, you know, again, if you're just throwing stuff at the wall. That could be something to throw at the wall. Um, I was really more optimistic that we would see Zach Thompson this year just because yeah. of he's just the fact that he was a college guy. He's a little older. Like you just kind of expect that his development might move along a little more quickly. But, you know, his performance has just been kind of not great this year. I mean, like nothing to be worried about long term, but he's not like, you know, he, he's not performing in the way that you're necessarily like, you know, move that guy up. But um, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised to, I wouldn't be surprised to see one or both of them. Um, you know, get a shot. Um, and, and again, and, and that, you know, if that worked out, oh my gosh, wouldn't that be just amazing? You know, if that was how you plugged your back in the rotation hole is you moved your top pitching prospect up who you've moved super aggressively and oh, lo and behold, he can handle it and he can, you know, he can hang, you know, every now and then you get that lucky. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> it would be great if this was one of those times. <laughs> Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm kind of, I was like with you, I thought Thompson would be the one they would, because they could bring him up more likely in the bullpen than in the rotation, uh, but he has struggled enough. I I think they want to leave Libertor down as long as possible. Um, and so I, it, but, you right. know, if he continues to pitch well, and he's not, I mean, he's holding his own in Memphis right. for the fact that he's like six years younger than anybody else there. Right. Um, you know, if he can, if he can continue to do that, you know, they may do that in, you know, September, we got to remember the, the call-ups this year, there are only two spots. Yeah. Um, and so, but a Libertor is a guy, he, he's not a depth September call-up anyway, if you were going to call him up. So I don't think that affects him, but I do think the other thing with Libertor is he's not on the 40 man. Um, Thompson's not either though, actually, is he? No. Yeah. No. Neither. Neither one of them are. So, I think that plays a little bit of a factor in this as well. They're not quite ready yet. And and honestly, by the time that they might feel like they can, you know, they're ready enough to take a shot on them. Maybe they're so far out of it that they, you know, it's not, it doesn't even make sense anyway. So that'll factor into it as well. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And they can find room on the, you know, they can find room on the 40 man when they need to. Oh yeah. Um, there's not, you know, quite as much just, organizational deadwood there but you know. well but I, th- I think it's more about starting their clocks you know yeah um is what they would uh, you know want to avoid if they could yeah but i will say for the for the organization it feels to me that they you know that is a factor 
But if they think they can win, they'll go ahead and do it. I mean, we saw what Alex Reyes and Luke Weaver get called up, you know, August of the, their years. We saw Jordan Hicks start a year um, jumping from a ball. Um, so I, I, you know, if they don't have to, they'd be glad they'll be fine to not start that clock. But if they think that's the difference, I don't know that that'll hold them back, but we'll see. Yeah, I, mean, I no, I agree. Awesome. I would agree. Um, before we wrap it up tonight and the Cardinals are now, uh, two to two with the Rockies at the end of the third inning. Um, but right before we started recording the, uh, all-Stars were announced, and Nolan Arenado is going to be starting uh, at third base um, in Coors Field, um, which is probably what he expected last year. You know, I mean, that's what everybody expected, right? Um, well, except last year it was uh, it was going to be in Atlanta. So. True, that's true. Yeah. You know, it, 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 uh, he, he had no idea. Um, cool? Not cool? What do you think of the All-Star game in general now, the voting they had? Yeah. Just kind of that, you know, what's your feeling on the All-Star game? Yeah, well, it's a complicated question because it keeps changing a little bit. But mm. I would say in general, I'm a fan of the All-Star game. I think I'm more of a fan of the All-Star game than a lot of baseball kind of people are. Uh, to be honest, I was a fan of the this time it counts, the home field thing, because I just I would love to see like a competitive-ish All-Star game. Um, that's more fun to me. I think baseball is one of the few sports you can do it in. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, there's a little bit of a like little kid moment to me still watching the all-star game. It's like all the best players are out there. They're playing on the same team. You know, I'm a real national league fan. I hate the designated hitter. Um, so I actually have a little bit of like league pride too, you know? So I really feel like I have a rooting interest when I go in there. So, um, you know, I mean, all that said, um, you know, I still kind of like the all-star game, um, and things like that. I'm definitely, it's nice to see that Arenado got voted in because let's be honest, this is not going to be a year where we see a whole lot of Cardinals jerseys <laughs> out there at the yeah. all-star game, but it's always nice to have a guy that got voted in and not just have one of the sympathy. We need someone from every team out sure. there. You know what I mean? And, you know, congrats to Paul DeYoung on his all-star appearance, but it's better <laughs> when we don't have that guy. So, um, so no, I was glad to see that he got voted in. I would love to see uh, Yachty end up on the team, um, you know, still. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm sure there's probably, um, oh, I don't know. Is there anybody from the bullpen that's going to make it? I don't know if anybody else will be. Ray is good. Yeah, no, Reyes probably would, especially because the, they'll look at the save numbers and he's he's high up in the saves. So Reyes, you're right. I think Reyes has a good shot of being there. But um, yeah, so no, I'm, I, I was glad to see that Arenado made it in. Um, what about you? Would you think? You know, when I was, especially when I was growing up, I really, I, I recorded the All-Star game. I really enjoyed the All-Star game. I still like the All-Star game, but it does lose a little bit to me now, probably because it's, it's kind of weird that, you know, I focus so much on the Cardinals now because I'm old and I don't have time to do anything else. So I just stick on one team. And so as much as I hear about some of these other players, they don't necessarily have that, you know, cachet with me as much anymore. Right. Um, but that's it. I, I do. I do enjoy the All-Star game. We've, the last few years, watched the Home Run Derby here with my family. We've enjoyed that as well. Yeah. Um, I will say that if it is true that they're putting those um, like generic uniforms on them this year, that's a terrible idea because you're right. The fun part is to see the, you know, see the Cardinal Jersey to see whatever, all these different jerseys out on the field. And and it seems like they're trying to take that away this year because baseball knows how to ruin everything. But they do. They do. Yeah. They, they, Uh, they do seem like they trip over their feet more than just about anybody. Yeah. Anyway, it's good to have, you know, back in the 
back in the nineties, of course you always had Ozzy Smith there, right? but that was different because he got voted in, you know, he was, yeah. you know, a legend. And so if he was the only Cardinal, which he was quite often, right. You know, at least you got to see him because he was going to yeah. start the game and he was going to get back then two or three at bats probably. Yeah. Um, you know, you're right. That year that it was um, Paul DeYoung, although there has been a year that's been worse. Did you know that? Oh, I'm sure there has been uh, worse than one. Oh, was it was the year they had no Cardinals? They had no Cardinals, which is really hard to do when you get one one every team he gets one representative. But it was two thousand. I think it was two thousand and two. Okay. Um, the only Cardinal that was elected to go or not elected was chosen to go was Matt Morris, and he was hurt. And they yeah. didn't re- when they replaced him. They didn't replace him with a Cardinals. So he got introduced with the team, but he wasn't actually eligible to play. No yeah. actual Cardinals got into that game. So well, and I, I feel like over the years that's accelerated even more. So like I honestly, it's it's often hard for me to even keep track of like who's playing because there's so many guys yeah. that get voted in or elected, but then in the week before they're hurt or they're like hurt ish, and then they're not playing. <laughs> and so yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, you know, and then. You know, those, oh, well, I pitched on Sunday, so I'm not going to pitch on right. Tuesday, yep. so I'm not going. Yep. Yeah, that's, you know, eventually it's like, you know, 80 people have been picked to be all the stars this year. Oh, yeah. Hard, yeah. But you know what? Good for them. Then they, you know, they get to say yeah. they're an all star forever. So, and some of them get to, you know, a bonus out of their contract that they weren't necessarily expecting. So, yeah, that's true. Uh, that's, that's true. A, that's a good for thing. This year's, though, the, the voting was a little bit weird just because you had to vote for the players and then you voted. You know, I had to vote for like the finalists and then you voted for the actual players. And I don't know how all that's going to work with, you know, reserves and stuff. But it seemed to me it was a little bit weird to have like two layers of voting. Um, I mean, I guess next year they'll do ranked choice voting or something. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I and I hadn't really followed it real closely, to be honest, that the, they were doing it this way um, this year. Um, and I was like... Actually, it was this week when we were at the stadium, you know, they had on the, you know, Jumbotron that say, hey, you know, get in and vote for Yachty and Nolan Arenado. And uh, my older son, you know, said, oh, hey, let's vote. So which is kind of fun because I remember, of course, yeah. back in the day, you got the paper ballot at the ball. Right. Park, right. right? And filled that out. So, you know, but I pulled out my phone and opened the app. We went in there and then he was like, yeah, so it's like, here's the catchers. And it's like listed three names. It's like, why is there only three names on there? And, and you know, mm-hmm. just kind of learning, OK, yeah, they were doing this sort of finalist voting and everything um i don't know they they you know they tweak it every so often you know the fan voting is a little silly but people like it and it engages people and you know ultimately then they do a pretty good job of um filling the team out with anybody who was you know kind of a massive snub and of course i think like you know mike trout i think last i saw was you know like one, like leading one of the leading vote getters in the American league. And of course he's been hurt for several weeks and just got moved to the 60 day deal. You always have those kind of things on there too, right. you know, but um, yeah, no, I don't know. It's I'm glad Renato's going to play. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be watching and kind of hoping for some fun moments, which is pretty much what I always do. Yeah. And I mean, it's in Colorado. So, you know, there's a good chance of, you know, putting all that kind of talent together. You may be a, a very fun game. So. Oh, I agree. I think they should, um, you know, they should use the most juiced balls that MLB ha- has. Um, I think they should issue spider tack to every player um, <laughs> as they enter the stadium. Just, just make it ridiculous. You know, make it like a like '90s Nintendo game when you could, you know, turn on wacky mode and like move all the sliders all the way up. That's a, let's let's have that game. Yeah, I mean, and that's because this is a you know a game that's supposed to be for the fans and it's supposed to be for fun. And so, yeah, it wouldn't be a 
wouldn't be a problem to do any of that. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Ben, I know at the end of your shows, you like to talk about what you're looking forward to coming up till the next off day. Um, what are you going to be looking for between now and the all-star break? Oh my gosh. Um, like in, um, wins, I think I feel, I, I, the I try, thing, yeah, I just try to get the wins on our show. I feel like I try to come up with like something that sounds like kind of smart and kind of like, Oh, I hadn't thought of that. So I'm going pretty dopey here and uh, I'm going to go wins. <laughs> you realize you're, you're playing down to your level. No, of no, what you're doing. no, not at all. Not at all. Um, but you know, I mean, honestly, that's, that's just really what it comes down to is, and, and, you know, this month they've been so bad. And, and their, but their record is worse than the team is. I mean, it's, they've had, they're a bad team that has also had bad luck. You know, it's, I mean, they, they've been playing at a winning percentage that you just, you don't typically see. It's, it's, you know, historically bad um, for the Cardinals and, and, you know, would be for a lot of teams too. So I, I feel like, you know, even if they're not a much better team, and I don't think they are, but, um, you know, gosh, even just to, so what do they have? They have three series, right? Colorado, San Francisco, and Chicago. Is that right? I would love to see them win two of those three series. You know, that would be, I think, enough winning that you went into the all-star break thinking like, man, they're almost out of it, but they could still make a run. Um, You know, if they lose two of the three series, if they lose all three series, I think we're close to abandoning hope point. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's very true. Yeah. If they can, and I think it's even for me, it's more, even if the win or, maybe even split Colorado. I'd like to see them win it and then win the series against the Cubs and hopefully take at least one from the giants. Yeah. But you know, you win that series against the Cubs, especially the way the Cubs looked this weekend or this week, I guess, against the Brewers, yeah. you know, that may be enough to kind of kick them over the edge. And you know, if the Cardinals can't win, I'm all for kicking the Cubs off the edge. I agree. I agree. No, that's my, if the Cardinals can't win, I at least want to watch the Cubs lose. So. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday's game was was pretty good for that point of view. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, like I, did, a, I wasn't able to watch any of it, but I was able to luxuriate in the uh, the line score. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, that uh, seven run uh, first looks really good until it doesn't. So, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, well, Ben, thanks for I've kept you a lot longer than probably you were expecting, but I was glad to get to talk to you and uh, look forward to you joining and. Alan and I again at some point in time. Oh, absolutely. I always love talking with uh, with you and with Alan, so I appreciate uh, you having me back on. And that's cardinalsoffday.substack.com. If you haven't signed up, you should. And if you haven't subscribed to the show on your favorite podcast uh, platform, do that as well because they'll have another one. I guess next week between the Giants and the Cubs is, is the off day, so uh, be sure to get to that. So until... Uh, next week, when Alan should be back with us, I am Daniel, and that's Ben. Good night. Alisayev, the second for one, the double play. What a double play by Ozzie Smith. Oh, mercy.